Duty is defined as a task that one is required to perform, a responsibility, a legal responsibility. You are owed a duty by others at all times, whether a sole person or a huge corporation. You are owed a duty to be safe from negligent, careless, intentional acts that cause you serious damage, death, permanent injury, catastrophic loss. Others have caused a breach, a breach of the duty due you and yours. Your only recourse is to pursue a legal claim. It is impossible to turn back time so that the injury and damage did not occur. Monetary compensation is the only alternative, both to compensate you for your loss, but also to confirm the conduct of the wrongdoer. Motor vehicle accidents, slip and fall injuries, assault, dangerous products, workplace injuries, animal bites, defamation, these are a portion of the wrongs that are inflicted on you and yours. Opsitnik and Associates can make the difference. Al Opsitnik has litigated, tried, and settled injury claims throughout the United States in his home state of Pennsylvania, but also New York, Maryland, and Alaska, just to name a few. When duty is breached, contact Opsitnik and Associates to make things right. For you, for yours. Contact them toll-free, 1-866-391-3299, or visit them on their Facebook page, Opsitnik and Associates, or their website, OpsitniksLaw.com. See the links in the description below for more information. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Carnival of Randomness. I'm Zach, and I'm joined once again by the lovely Rye. Hello, everybody. She's back. I don't know why mm -hmm. she keeps coming back, but she does. Yeah. Uh, in this one, you and I have been talking, and it's not just you and I have been talking, it's kind of the way the world is going, and we mentioned it in a recent episode, and I kind of want to take a look, and I know you do as well, at the effect of the internet and social media, good, bad, and ugly on society. Yeah. And we have to acknowledge that there is a lot of bad and ugly. Yeah. But... It's not all terrible. No. But, I mean, let's let's start off on a positive note, shall we? Mm. I mean, what do you think is one of the best positives of like, internet, social media sites, and things like that? I mean, they were envisioned as a way to bring people together. And they, and for a lot of people, they have done that. Yes. Yeah. You know, families or friends separated, you know, by long distances. You know, you now have more ways to keep in touch with them than ever before. Absolutely. And especially in this time of, you know, social distancing, quarantining, it's helped a lot of people to be able to reach out to somebody, you know, on Facebook, on Twitter, through instant messages, through, you know, these uh, Zoom programs, FaceTime, whatnot. Yeah. So it has been a good thing in a lot of ways. Mm hmm But at the same time, having that access kind of has been a little uh, disastrous in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of people are, I think, starting to wake up to it now. I feel like, you know, Facebook is, is definitely dying off with most younger people. I think, actually, statistically, it's... The largest user group is boomers and older. Yeah, and, and it's mainly for the initial design of Facebook is to stay in touch with relatives and friends. Uh, you know, but a lot of young people just migrated to other social media platforms. Yeah, and ironically, most of the ones they're going to is Instagram, which is owned by Facebook now, and a lot of people are kind of dumping their Twitter accounts. Yeah. So I think yeah. people are really starting to have an out. Like like me personally, I I don't use my personal Facebook page at all anymore. I use mine a little bit. I don't post personal things. My entire timeline is basically football news, and that's it. Yeah, exactly the good stuff. Yeah, you know, I just don't care to share anything personal or private on there. Well, no, because we all know that if you post anything private on there, it somehow becomes the property of Facebook, and they can use it in their advertisements and not give you a damn dime. Well, there's that, but, you know, it's, you know, there's a reason why people are abandoning it. 
Right. And it took a while. It did. It took a while, but some social media sites are really starting to feel the effect of people waking up and being like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of fascinating, right? Like, it, it came in and... You know, I'll give the, you know, like, I'll give Zuckerberg the benefit of the doubt when he first created it. I think nobody could possibly have understood, you know, what it would become. Um. I mean, it's the same as the internet, right? Like, nobody set out for the internet to be used for all the, the dark, nefarious things that it was, it that it it often is used for. No, and at the same time, that is a pretty damning view of human nature, is that we took something that was designed as a tool to better our lives and turned it into a weapon. Well, that's it, you know? So, like, I, I think that, you know, he and the other people who, who did it genuinely thought that they were making something something great, something that would connect people, and it's just... Yeah, at you first, know, but it seems like lately they've really... Oh, yeah, kind I mean, of Facebook... the horror that it is. Oh, yeah, now, but, you know, just going back to that, those early days of, of all of this, you know, but it just, it falls into so many traps of human behavior, you know, uh, narcissism. Oh, God, it... tons of narcissism, because you look at some people's Facebook timelines, and it's like, I don't care. Yeah, like, there, there really is, you know... There's growing, you know, entire fields of study about humans' relationship with technology and especially with social media and the internet. Yeah. And basically all of it is is kind of damning, you know. There really is a huge correlation between social media use and narcissism, like clinical narcissism. Yeah, and not just that, but I would, I would uh, you know, throw in uh, sociopathy. Yeah, you know, there's just... And, you know, and a lot of other problems. And, you know, you and I talked about it. And if you sort of break it down, it's just, it's way too much access to, to people. Like, it was supposed to be a good thing. And then, unfortunately, we found that you can kind of know too much about somebody. Well, right. And that was one of the good things is, yeah, like you said, it does give you that access to people you admire. Celebrities, athletes. Uh, things of that nature, but then at the same time, it subjects you to their opinions. Yeah, you know, there there really was a sort of uh, happiness and ignorance back, you know, in sort of the pre-internet days where, you know, you had to say something aloud in public or, you know, in an interview for it to sort of get out there, and so most people didn't, whereas yeah, now... because they didn't have the balls to. Yeah, whereas now with social media, you know, when you're sitting at home alone, you know, you really just don't have those sort of safeguards to where, you know, that would often stop you from saying or reposting something, you know. Right, you know, and it's very, very easy for somebody sitting behind a keyboard to type to somebody, oh, you're stupid, go kill yourself. Well, yeah, you know, like there's just, yeah, you kind of lose a lot of those safeguards that used to exist where you had to say something in public and now everything is very much just, you know, react the moment you see something online. Just, you know, hit that repost button and, and you know, get it up on your, your Facebook or your Twitter or whatever, you know, just everything needs your opinion on it. Well, and I think, um, but, but in a way it's good because in the pre-internet days, it was a lot harder to tell, like, what celebrities and famous people were real assholes. Well, it definitely was. So and now it's yeah. making it a lot easier to weed them out. Just look at their Twitter feed. Well, it definitely does. But at the same time, you know, it's kind of sad. Like, you know, there's... Everybody has icons or everybody has somebody right. they admire. It's really sad when... And I, I had this recently. Mm. It's really sad when somebody you admire does something and makes you go, My God why that's it you know and i don't want to go into sort of specifics because i no, think that's not i don't know this they, 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 i don't care if they know who they are i know who they are and that's the important thing yeah you know but everybody sort of goes through and you can't sort of there's no way to avoid that you know and because anytime you go on social media you're just subjected to a stream of other people's timelines and, and thoughts and opinions and things and right and you're you held know, hostage by 
it just it takes only one post. You can't unsee or you know unacknowledge something if somebody says or posts something really that you find really really egregious. Like you don't need them to agree that it's bad, but right. But it's the fact that they did it, and then you see like, hey, if they posted this, that means they truly think that. Well, that's it. You know, whereas yeah, you just used to not have to sort of know all about everybody's feelings about everything and i think it's i think it was better that way right like politics don't discuss politics at the dinner table right it was uh politics and religion were things you you never discussed in in company you know it was yeah it's like it was one of those things it it was existing you knew it existed but you didn't talk about it because not everybody shares the desire to or your opinions on it yeah and everybody knew that it was divisive back then you know yeah. And so you just kept it to yourself, whereas now it seems like those are the only things people talk about or repost about, and it is divisive, you know? Oh, uh, shock and, You know, shock and awe. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's just, like, you don't necessarily need to know everybody's opinion about everything, you know? You don't need to know your brother or your sister or your uncle or whoever's, uh, you know every political thought or feeling right and it's not just that i don't need to know how a celebrity that doesn't live in a specific area thinks about a politician in that area well that's it you know what does it matter to you it doesn't affect you exactly and everybody just sort of feels entitled to to talk and repost about everything even if it really has right you know you know by all means you're absolutely allowed to that's part of the the joys of living in the u.s or in the free, yeah. and in the free world is that you have a right as a person to to put your opinion in a public space, but at the same time, you really have to be aware that your opinion may have consequences, good or bad. Well, that's it, you know, and it's just yeah. So I don't know. I think that's sort of a huge part of the problem of social media is just you know just way too much information that really should be private that people just spew all over their social media all day long right. like, and that's another thing when like when twitter and all that first came out and i i found out what it was and the gist of it the first thing i thought was why would people care what i'm do what i'm doing in my life in 140 characters or less my first thought was i hate to be cynical but i knew it was going to be a disaster oh, because no, you knew it was going to be a disaster but what I mean is, who knew, you know, I, I knew then, it's like, well, I don't care about what's going on in my life, why would anybody else? Oh yeah, you know, but it was like, people just, you already knew, because Twitter was kind of a latecomer to the game, right? You already had, I mean, MySpace had come and gone, you already had, uh, you know, quite a few years of Facebook and all of that. Yep. So you already knew what social media quickly became used for, and you knew that people were going to discuss politics and, you know, complex subjects on it, and you simply cannot do that in 150 characters or 250 characters. So, you know, instantly I knew it was like, how could you possibly have any kind of nuanced or fair debate on Twitter? And you can't. Yeah, when you're limiting how much a person can actually say. Yeah, you know, when everything has to be two sentences or less. You cannot have real conversations that way, and people to this day continually try to, and it it just doesn't work. Well, no, I know, and that's why a lot of, especially celebrities, are getting rid of Twitter, because they look at Twitter as, like, kind of a vacuum. It is a vacuum. I mean, statistically, uh, it's a complete vacuum. I think less than 10% of the users come up with 90% of the tweets or something. There was a, yeah, a graph. Yeah, something like that, yeah. You know, it's a complete vacuum. There's sort of a very small minority of you know, very outspoken Twitter users basically generate almost everything on Twitter. Yeah, and like I say, you're absolutely permitted to. Oh, yeah, it's just... But at the same time, I, as a citizen, have the right to not look at it or care. It's just sort of yet another one where, you know, maybe going in, it was kind of like they wanted to take the sort of broken uh, news feed from facebook and and spin it off into basically its own thing which may you know at the time again maybe it that seemed like a good idea because for a while there the timeline was kind of the heart of facebook and then it it kind of crapped out like you know they made all these formatting changes and 
nobody really liked to use the timeline anymore. Well, that's what it is. Like every time you go you go on Facebook, it seems that something's changed, and it you know it's becoming a little more a lot more difficult to navigate. Yeah, you know, so they spun it off into its own thing where you could you know just have just the timeline, but again, it just you know social media inevitably seems to to end up being corrupted and being used for really negative purposes. Um, it definitely can, but let's let's flip it over to the positive side. It can be used for really good stuff. Like, you know, you I know you follow several uh, Steelers on their Twitter or Instagram or whatever, mm. and I know you're a big fan of uh, To It and Biscuit. I I check their Instagram. I mean, I don't have an Instagram. I don't have a Twitter, so I don't really follow. I just you know peek at them now and then. Right, but it, but there are certain people that you look at, and it's always cool. For those of you that don't know, uh, To It and Biscuit. You wanna you wanna yeah. tell them who To It and Biscuit are? <laughs> to It is a Pittsburgh Steelers yeah. player, and Biscuit is his little guinea pig. Yeah, Stefan To It, and when he was out uh, on uh, COVID quarantine, he posted a picture of him holding biscuits saying, wish we were out there. It's like, okay, you know, that's cool because that gives you a glimpse into the life of a famous person. And you, cause a lot of times we often forget that they're normal people just like us. Yeah. I mean, you know, that they have that... families, they have pets, they have to go to the grocery store. Oh yeah. I mean, there's sort of fun little quirky things like that. You know, it's just, I don't know. There's, you know, I think it just unfortunately has kind of, Open the floodgates to like the worst of human behavior. Unfortunately, it's like any, it's like any outlet. You know, it happened. You know, with radio. You know, yeah. As, well, as exactly. soon as they realized, hey, radio can reach an audience, then in came the nut jobs. Well, exactly. You know, so everything goes through it. It's just, yeah. I feel like after about uh, fifteen years, because I think Facebook came out in. 2005, 2006, it, it debuted somewhere around there. Uh, maybe. I don't 100% remember. It may have been around there. Um, you know, so we've had about 15 years now. Uh, 2004, it, it debuted. Okay. I knew it was right around when, when Hunter was born. But I gotta say, with all the issues Facebook is having and, you know, the data breaches and the selling of your personal data and the theft of your personal data, you remember MySpace? All Tom wanted to do was be your damn friend. Yeah, exactly. MySpace seems like the glory days now. Yeah, Tom wanted to be your friend, whereas Facebook is selling your pictures, so. <laughs> you know, uh, I think it's, maybe we've turned a corner, you know, that. I think we have, with, with, with people starting to migrate away from it, I definitely think we have. Yeah, you know, that it was kind of a novelty for about 15 years, and you could kind of shift one social media for another, for another, for another, but I think people are kind of starting to catch on to that game maybe that there's really no difference and i i think actually i would wager to bet that uh, the the pandemic had a lot to do with it because with the you know wanting to stay in touch so you go to facetime you go to skype you go to zoom you go to discord you go to just calling somebody mm. you know they realize that they don't need a social media platform to do it when you can just FaceTime somebody and then have a conversation face-to-face -face with them. Yeah. Or even like you, know. you and I are doing right now. Well, exactly, you know. And, yes, we, I, I know, the, you know the irony of the fact that we're bitching about the internet on the internet. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. It right? is. Yeah, exactly. It is what it is. Where else are you going to discuss this? Yeah. Oh, my God. But, you know, another good thing, and actually... For a while, I was kind of worried about them, but you gotta you gotta say that YouTube has actually been kind of a good thing more so than a bad thing. I think the one thing I like about YouTube is I think it's been great for the younger generation. You know, yes. millennials, uh, Zoom. You know, the older Zoomers, where a lot of those sort of traditional avenues to things like home ownership just kind of shriveled up for so many of us. Mm -hmm. You know where you couldn't just sort of get a job now and get a home. YouTube has kind of been able to to give people a career that and money that they never would have made in any other job. <clears throat> oh my god, yeah. And 
the the best thing about YouTube is it's allowed people to take a passion of theirs and make a career out of it, not just make a career. Yeah, you know, you know to, to do have a career doing something they really enjoy doing, like you know the video gamers, um, the unboxers, the tutorial people. They're able to make a very good living doing something that they probably would have been doing regardless. Well, that's it, you know. So, like, I think that is really, you know, it's it's cool. You know, it's neat to see young people, creative young people, kind of adapt to this new thing and take it and, you know, just sort of open up this new avenue, you know. Absolutely. And I honestly, I think it's really shown the world just how creative a lot of people can be. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um... Just in this time when, you know, people were, you know, furloughed from work or lost their job, uh, it's really been good to see how much creativity some people can have now that they have an outlet to do it. Yeah, you know, so there definitely, there's, you know, things like that are awesome. Uh, another good place you see it is, like, not just creating a career, but for people who already have jobs, but maybe where, you know, it's seasonal or the money is sort of not that great they can make you know at least some extra money sometimes good money just filming what they're already doing so you think of like uh i follow a couple of uh channels of young farmers right and um you know i follow uh what's that one guy he i can't remember his channel name and regardless you can find him if you look he's the guy that goes around to like flea markets and estate sales and gets rusted out tools and toys and fixes them and films it yeah, um, another one I like is uh, I follow a couple of uh, farriers. Farriers are the people who work on hooves, horse, yeah, the, the cow. Yeah, and you know that are um, the uh, art restoration guy. Exactly, you and... know. So like things like that, where it's like I have no interest in farming. You know, I'm a I'm a city kid. Right, but like, I have no interest in learning how to shoe horses. But there's something really cool about watching somebody. Do it on the internet. Not only do it, but the fact that they're really good at it. You know, and, and you know, you look at the views that some of these people get, and I imagine they're getting a, a decent uh, little bit of money, and I think that's sort of great. You know, they already had the job, but they're just able exactly. to make and, up that. And you that also, and you got to think about it, like, in a way that if a farrier, for example, puts out a video on, you know, how to deal with a split hoof when you have, you know, a horse, like... There could be somebody out there that watches it and be like, that's exactly what I was trying to figure out. Now this guy showed me how to do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're definitely educational, too. But it's just, again, it's cool. You know, it's like, because a lot of these, again, are sort of places where the money isn't that great. Or, you know, that, you know, there's been a lot of problems like independent farmers have been struggling for a long time. Oh, God, yeah. Or even construction workers, you know, a lot of their work is sometimes seasonal. Exactly. So if they can get a little more money by filming what they're already doing, like, I think that is really awesome. Kudos right. like, to you them. You know, there could be a video of a carpenter, you know, basically showing you how to to build a, you know, a coat hook. You know, a thing yeah. that you, you would screw into your wall. It could get 300, 400,000 views because there's something kind of satisfying about seeing a video where you start off with a block of wood and then through time-lapse you end up with a usable product. Exactly, you know. So, like, I think that's, you know, I think that's something that's kind of unique to, to YouTube that's been really awesome. Oh, uh, another another place that obviously benefits from it a lot is charities. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, you, just through social media, you were able to... Well, not just social media, but the internet in general. You were able to learn so much more about so many different charities. Yeah, like, you know, in those sort of pre-internet days or even early internet, you know, you really only had a couple ways to raise money if you were a charity. It was either through telemarketing calls or, you know, mail leaflets. Yeah, mail leaflets or, like, you know, some sort of uh, fundraiser dinner or something. <laughs> or if you want to go back even further, the telethon. Oh, Lord, the telethon. Who didn't watch the PBS telethon? You know, but that was only... You had to be a big wig to get your own telethon. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, you know, your, your normal run-of-the-mill charity wasn't, so they had to rely on stapling the flyers to the telephone poles. 
and you know running out yeah, of the school cafeteria and having like a spaghetti dinner you know seven bucks a plate raise money for you know our foundation well exactly you know so obviously the reach of you know charities to to get you know is amazing now again they're a lot of them are just filming what they're already doing but but it's, it's fascinating stuff never... for a lot of people. It might it might be a day-to-day routine for them, but for somebody like you or I, to watch a video, let's just say one of our favorite charities, I'm going to give them a shameless plug, and I don't even care that they're not going to pay me, the Tennessee Elephant Sanctuary. Yeah. Love the Tennessee Elephant Sanctuary and what they do. And, you know, to them, giving an elephant a bath, it's part of their job. Yeah. But to you or I, watching somebody give... A 5,000-pound elephant a bath is fascinating. Well, exactly, you know. And so it's it's great that they're able to put that up and, and you know, and get money and, you know, have sort of uh, memberships and things where it's more monthly or, like, Patreon. Right. You could do a Patreon thing, and they, and they make it so easy in this day and age to find a charity online, to find an online donation form that's secure, you know, and they'll you know, send you your tax deductible thing so you can claim it on your taxes as a charitable donation. It's exactly. real easy to. It was a lot easier back in the pre-internet days to not donate to charity. Oh, yeah. You know, to even find charities or for charities to even let you know that they existed, especially outside of your own little, you know, town or neighborhood or whatever. Right, but now there's really no excuse for people not knowing about a charity. And you watch anything, any sort of, like, competition show game show with a celebrity on it they're going to come in championing a charity and what's the first thing they do when they talk about it boom on the screen website exactly so i think that's really you know that's another thing that's that's been a a huge positive you know about the internet (laughs) especially about sort of social media and such oh absolutely and it's that's been really cool and the access the ease of access we have as a species to so much information it is is incredible. It is, you know, but do you want to go there? Ah, uh, let's, let's may as well go there. You know, since we're sort of alternating between a good well, right, and a bad. Right, I don't want it to be all bad or all good. I mean, because there's two sides to every coin. Yeah, you know, it's a nuanced subject. But, you know, so we had the good. Now we have to acknowledge that, you know, I mean... The ugly in the fact that with the world's information at our fingertips... It seems like we're getting less or more and more detached from history and reality. And- I think there's, you know, you and I had a, a fascinating conversation about it where, um, I mean, a lot of it has to do with algorithms. You know, it's a word that I think gets tossed around, but I'm not sure if people really sort of deeply understand. Sort no, of they, all don't, the- they don't fully get just what they do and what impact they could have. Yeah, sort of what, yeah, how it impacts sort of every aspect of your using the internet. Well, let's let's give the great example of it with one of the most probably prolific users of the algorithm for determining what you can do, and that would be Netflix. Yeah, I think that's a great example because most people at least had Netflix at some point and kind of understand it in that context that, you know there are automatic programs that run when you use the Netflix service that filter things out, you know, in or out. Mostly I feel like they more filter things out. Yeah. They're filtering stuff out and it's all based on what you watch. And if you use the rating system, could they even tell you though? Granted, I have to say, I dislike the new Netflix rating system. Yeah. Just the thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I liked it when they had the stars, but basically it takes the things you give a thumbs up to, searches for stuff like it, or they Mm -hmm. think is like it, and kind of bury the stuff you gave a thumbs down to. Yeah, you know, and anything even sort of related to that. Right. Which, you know... Which isn't a bad thing, but at the same time, what if it was in a genre you like, but that particular movie was terrible? Well, exactly, you know, and most people don't sort of realize that you know virtually every website kind you know uses algorithms and tracking to do the same thing oh yeah i mean people don't think it's a coincidence that if you google like you know uh airfare to hawaii when you go to check your email why all of a sudden there's all kinds of 
advertisements for Hawaii and travel-related stuff. Well, that's it. Suddenly, every other website, you know, every single website you go to now for the next few days, you're spammed with ads for, yeah, travel to Hawaii, even if the website has nothing to do with it. Right, and I, uh, like, great case in point is, like, around Christmas time. You know, you start looking for gifts, and all of a sudden, boom. Like, hey, you know, here's an ad from Amazon. Well, we think you might like this. Exactly, you know. So every website does it, and um, it has, you know, it has a, a large effect. It, it, in the end, what it does is sort of create an entire digital echo chamber for every one of us where we're only ever fed things we already like and agree with. Right. Or very, very carefully cultivated, you know, what sort of what they call sort of controlled opposition. Oh, exactly. You know, so you think that you're getting, you know, both sides to a topic or whatever, but really it's basically just yes and then slightly lukewarm yes. Right, it's like you... yes and yes. Exactly. I agree, and I also agree with this slight, tiny little caveat. No, yeah, it's like, it's like I agree. What do you think? Yeah, sure, why not? You know, that, so... that's basically what you're getting. Yeah, you know, and I, I think that's a huge problem that is being less talked about. That the whole sort of echo chamber isn't just if you use Facebook or Twitter. It's also you know, what happens to all the news sites you use and because it follows you around the entire internet and, you know, so much of the internet is dominated by only a handful of companies like Google, you know, you can very quickly create, you know, a real echo chamber for yourself. Well, it's exactly. almost unavoidable. You know, Instagram does the same thing. Like if you go to Instagram and you do a search, mm. it's, I, I don't know if it works on the the computer platform, but it does on the phone one, you hit the little magnifying glass and it brings up selections based on things that you, that you most often view. So if you looked at mine, it would be uh, football, football memes, dogs, and food. Yeah. You like, know, that's and literally everything on mine. Yeah. You know, and like, yeah, on one aspect, that's cool because you can find things, you know, it, it's supposed to save you time, but... But at the same I time, don't think... maybe I want to look for something else. Well, that's it. I don't think people sort of really appreciate how much discovery comes from just browsing things that you don't instantly know that you like or agree with. Right, here, let's, uh, just for the, the listener, that is what we refer to as a callback. Mm, exactly, you know. I mean, you could think of it in terms of, uh, you know, the last one we did about uh, videotapes. But, I mean, it works for anything. Just uh, books, news, just, like, anything you're doing. Right. I mean, a... how, how many times when you grab your phone in the morning and you look at the news, it's all very similar stuff? Yeah, it's you know, it's already... news. Well, exactly, you know, and it's just, you know, I think... I think there's a lot that's lost when all these algorithms hide so much from you. Yeah, I don't think, you know, I don't think you need to hide it. Excuse me. I just think you really need to, it still needs to be there, and you still need to be able to find it. But yeah, I can understand why you would put stuff that is frequented up front. I, I get it completely. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah, you know, it's it's supposed to be an efficiency thing. It's just, yeah, I just think that... You know, but it takes some of the fun out of things. It does, and you know, and obviously, it also just sort of creates that that echo chamber feedback loop. You know, like it really does have. I think when it's you know, with the amount of time that the average person spends, you know, on the internet these days, it really does have an effect on on sort of your psychology and on society as a whole. Like it's just not a good sort of system to only be fed things that you you already agree with through algorithms. That, and really, it's the whole, I'm going to call it dependency on technology and social media. Yeah. It's really changed how we interact with each other as a species. I was watching something, um, I believe it was, a, it was an interview with Idris Elba, a fine hmm. actor, by the way, but that's for another podcast. Um, and he said... When he first started his career, there would be people walking around with autograph books. 
Yeah. Just wanting to meet you and shake your hand. But now everybody wants a picture. Nobody wants an autograph anymore. Mm. And the, the craziest thing is, and this actually, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher the name of the movie, but I remember it. It was an Ed Harris movie. I watched it recently, and he was um, a photographer, and he was on a road trip to get the last batch of a a specific kind of film developed because Mm. they were just getting rid of the process in the film. Yeah. And he's in the car with his, like, kids, and they asked him, you know, why don't you just move everything to digital? And he said you do realize that a digital photograph doesn't exist. It's pieces of information spliced together to give you an image. Yep. Like if an alien civilization dug us up in a thousand years, there would be no photographic record of anything. Yeah. And that was kind of, that hit me. I was like, wow. Like he's absolutely, yep. that's that's an actually very kind of spooky statement. Well, that would segue well into something uh, that I didn't include in our notes, but that came to me later. Oh, will it now? Mm, and what would that which be? is uh, the whole thing where you don't really own anything anymore. It's more that all of these online things are about buying temporary access to a service. Yes, the stream, you know, the, the digital downloads. You know, like again, everything, you know, it's supposed to be about sort of efficiency and, and ease, but you don't own any of the stuff, you know, that you have, right. like, online. Because just because you have access to it today doesn't mean the company that you bought it from can take away your access tomorrow. Well, that's it, you know. So, like, anybody who has a console who's downloaded digital games, <laughs> you know, Sony and Xbox can, uh, you know, can delete your account remotely. Yeah. Whereas, and then, if you have if, the physical game, they can't do a damn thing to you. Yeah, I think you can still play them, you know, without an account or whatever, or make a new account and it doesn't matter because you have the physical disc. Exactly, but if it's only digital, what happens if your account goes? You're SOL. Yeah, uh, same with, like, uh, digital movie collections. Obviously, you don't own anything on Netflix. You're, you know, you're purchasing temporary access to their... Right, exactly. So people are like, well, why do I need to buy it? It's on Netflix. Yeah, well, what happens if Netflix's uh, license license with it ends? Yeah, you know, so like... Or what happens if, you know, Netflix decides, like they did recently, to up their rates to a point when you can't, when you don't want to pay for it anymore? Well, exactly, you know, so like there really is this, you know, this switch to, you know, to digital everything without, which is really sort of not consumer friendly. It It is in a weird way, but in more ways it isn't. It is in the way that you can have a lot more without taking up space. Yeah, you know, but... But at the same time, because you're not taking up space, it means you don't really have it. Yeah, well, that's the bigger problem, right? The fact that you don't actually... You've paid for something, but you don't actually own it. Yeah, and so to me, that just kind of kind of completely contradicts the idea of paying for something. Well, that's it. And a lot of the stuff isn't actually any cheaper. Like, uh, it's been, you know, a hot topic in, in gaming why when they switch to, you know, to digital downloads... Why does it cost the same as a physical disc? They don't have to pay for the disc printing, you know, the the plastic covers, yeah, the, the shipping, shipping or any product. But yet, it costs just as much as going to a store and buying a physical product. Should we bring it up? Go for it. How about the Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven fiasco? Yeah, well, there was that. Well, you did get your refund for it, though. I did eventually. eventually. It, it took a long time. Yeah, eventually, but you did get your refund for it. I did, you know, but I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, you know. But that's what I mean is the fact that you're kind of, as a consumer, you're still, even though you've paid that money, you're held hostage because when, you know, you applied for your refund because of just how terribly unplayable the game was, their response was a definitive no and you cannot reapply. Well, that's it, you know, the the sort of automatic or the uh, way you apply for refunds through Xbox is, you know, all done through sort of a form and automatic thing. And it's, it only gives you one opportunity to apply that way. And then you have to start going through, you know, just more generic contact 
you know, forms and emails and yeah, things. And, and with each form, there's l fewer and fewer options that actually relate to what you're trying to do. You know, and I mean, the bigger problem is that, um, you know, they can set their refund policy to be just about anything, and it doesn't have to conform to your local laws because most of the times they're headquartered somewhere right. entirely. Right, as long as wherever they are headquartered, if they are abiding by their laws, it, they, you know, no other state has jurisdiction over them. Yeah, you know, and, and obviously in a global sense, this becomes an even bigger problem, you know, if you're... Right, what happens if a company is technically headquartered somewhere where they don't have as many laws as the U.S. does? Exactly, you know, if they decide to stick their company, I don't know, in like... Taiwan or whatever, you know, it can be very difficult then to to start demanding that, like, U.S. laws or Canadian laws apply. Right, because they're going to flat out say, you have no jurisdiction here. You know, and, and, and that's become sort of a big... And I think even to a point, it, it almost doesn't matter because they just stick things, you know, hidden away in the terms of service. As soon as you sign up yeah, you for an account... Yeah, you've agreed to everything, and, you know, nobody reads the terms of service. You'd be there for a year. Well, that's it. They deliberately make it, you know, incredibly long. And, and then what are you, you going to do? Say no? If you don't accept the terms of, of agreement, you don't get to use the thing. Yeah, you know, and it's a, a lot of it's legalese and stuff. But buried in there is basically an acceptance yeah, that... Yeah, buried in there know, is basically like you, like we own you and we can do whatever we want to you and you can't do anything. You know, it's, you in agree no to their... In terms, that's in every user agreement. It's in the, re, you know, they control the, the refund policies. So every, like every different, uh, you know, sort of gaming or streaming platform. Oh, yeah, they all handle has, it differently. Yeah, you know, and they all set their own rules to be like, you know, if you've used the product for less than, you know, two hours or five hours or, or less, or if you've owned it for less than 24 hours, you know, everyone sets it to something a little different. Right, so between... Microsoft and Sony and let's let's say Steam. Yeah. Those guys will have different refund policies based on, you know, usage or even how they kind of feel. That's it, you know, and it all just sort of feeds back into that whole thing where again, you've you've paid the full price, you know, uh games were, you know, 70-80 when you went and bought them all on disc, they're still 70 or 80 dollars, same with like movies like if you buy a movie from uh xbox or amazon oh, yeah, or whatever you're still paying like 19 you know 20 yeah. 25 dollars for it even and you don't have access to it really because it's yeah. a digital thing that they're granting you permission to borrow well that's it you know like that's the exact same price that you used to pay in store for the physical copy yeah, and, and yet you and don't my question own would be, people like well I'm not going to rent it at 2.99 for 3 days I'll just buy it. Yeah, but you still don't have it. Well, that's it. You can pay the 20 or 70 or 80 dollars and you don't have any more permanent access to it than the person who rented it. Right, but if you were to, you know, trot down to the store and purchase a DVD of, I don't know, let's say Dunkirk. Yeah. Just cuz it's a movie that is sitting on my shelf and I can see it from where I'm sitting. You own it, you can play it in any exactly. machine, you don't need any account to, to view it yeah. anytime. I don't need the internet, you know, I don't need, you know, to go to a site and put in a code. I can pick up the case, put it in the in the DVD player. I know it's technology, but, you know, I can do it whenever I want. Yeah. And I don't have you to don't worry know. about, like, a server crashing or a server being overloaded it's like, well, you do not, we, you cannot access the title at this time. Yeah, I can. It's right there on my shelf. Well, that's it. And because you had to go to a brick and mortar location, that location is governed by the, you know, the consumer laws of your area, which generally are more friendly than anything you find online. Oh, 100 percent, hundred percent. Most places, you know, are legally obligated to give you a no questions asked refund. Yeah, especially if it's a product like Cyberpunk 2077 was just where it's so full of bugs and so rushed and completely unplayable, basically, if they didn't give you a refund, that could be construed as false advertising and fraud. Yeah. Because they were yeah. knowingly selling defective things. 
and most, you know, most brick and mortar stores just are totally cool about it, you know, like they don't Yeah, because they know they're going to get their money back from the manufacturer because they have that agreement. Well, that's it, you know. So they it's uh, no skin off their ass. They're, you know, it's like, "Hey, we're going to get our money back anyway. This person got a refund and they're happy, so they'll be back." So it benefits everybody. Exactly, you know. So it's just but the it's way that of... uh, PlayStation initially, PlayStation and Xbox both initially handled it, yeah, was pretty terrible. It was, and I, you know, I wasn't surprised because I've seen you know enough oh, other. No, we've all seen those reports of them, but you when know, they, just... when they pulled it off of the store and then were still yeah. dragging their heels about refunding it, that's yeah. when the problems really began. Well, Sony especially has this kind of hilariously awful. Oh, they, uh, they hate giving refunds for anything. Yeah, they have this uh, Catch-22 loop where, you know, you have to download and open a game to know if it's defective or not, but the moment you download and open, and open the, the game, game, you've used it. You've voided your, you know, your quote-unquote warranty or refund, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, wow, that is uh, A, terrible. And, and B, it's still not going to work. Because, especially in this day and age, people are going to vote with their wallet. Yeah. And, oh, you know, PlayStation said this? All right, I'll go elsewhere. You know, And it it's, might be it's, one it's, person, but there's going to be thousands of people that think that way. Yeah, you know, and, but it's and, all... And then it was the question of, will Microsoft and Sony look at it in the grand scheme? Like, these, we may lose a lot of business from this. Mm-hmm. which is why they all eventually refunded the game. Yeah. Because it's they just knew. They're not yeah, dumb. It's... You don't get to be a giant corporation like them for so long and be idiotic. Yeah, they, just... it's just easier at that point to just give the refunds. Yeah, exactly. You know, and like just giving the refund, you they really don't lose anything because they're going after the game manufacturer. Yeah. Because let's not forget, Sony and Microsoft are simply the carrier. Yeah. You know, they're not making it. They're just they're just selling it. So they're going to go after them, and they have the more resources to do that than you and I do. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of a, a whole fascinating thing where, you know, again, you sort of have this rush to this new technology, you know, and then you have this blowback where people realize that, you know, it isn't all that it was sort of cut out to be, that there's a lot to be said for owning owning something, properly owning something. Yeah. You know, physical, that not everything can be digitized. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it sort of comes back to the whole thing, you know, when Netflix came, everybody dumped their, you know, their tapes and their DVDs and all of that, and then they, you know, most then people I know... Then they regretted them because it's like, oh, damn, I got rid of all this stuff and Netflix doesn't have it. Yeah, you know, or had it and removed it or whatever, and... Now they've had to go out and buy it all again. Right, so they're buying it twice. And, and you know, when you sell a DVD, you're you're lucky to get a buck for it. You know, so it's, yeah, it's sort of interesting. And again, now we're sort of seeing it, um, you know, in other ways. You know, I'm most familiar with it from gaming, but I'm sure it's other places too. Yeah, you know, just, you know, digitize everything. And then it's, you know, I kind of wish I still owned a physical product. Right. I know, because uh, there's some things like that I do. It's like, oh, damn, I kind of wish I still had it. Exactly. Um, another thing that was sort of fascinating in a return to old, uh, which uh, I've seen some other people pick up on, is how like streaming sites have basically become the new cable packages. Oh, they really have. You know, back in the day, for most people who, who didn't grow up then... You had to buy obnoxious packages of channels, and, you know, they knew that you wanted... Yeah, they knew uh, that one channel you really wanted that they would put in the upgraded tier, and you wouldn't want anything else there but that channel. Yeah, you couldn't pick channels and be like, I want 2 and 15 and 12. You had to buy these obnoxious packages that were very expensive and would have, you know, one good channel you wanted and 20 you didn't. Right, and... Still to this day, cable companies are like that, but now they're facing the stiff competition between Netflix and Amazon and, hell, even YouTube. They have their TV network. But the problem is that, you know, 
it used to be that there was only one or two streaming giants, Netflix and then maybe something like Hulu. Right, but now, every, every... I mean, now like, you know, you've got anime streaming platforms, British TV sh- streaming platforms. What's that one, uh, the British one, Acorn? I think so. And everybody who has, you know, who owns the licenses to things just makes their own now. They don't need Netflix anymore. Right, exactly. So, you know, like CBS owns Star Trek. Well, they have their own CBS streaming things. If you want Star Trek stuff now, they, you know, they're yanking it off of stuff like Netflix. Yeah, you exactly. have to pay- it's like, well, why should we give it to them when we can do our own, you know, on demand or, you know, I think of like CBS Prime or something. I know most yeah, networks uh- have that and... Obviously, uh, Disney Plus, you know, yeah, they've... Yeah, you got up- Disney Plus and actually uh, Discovery Plus. Um, well, as we're airing, this came out on January 4th, you know, with all of the Discovery Network. So it's like the ID Channel, Discovery, History, Science, the Food Network, the Cooking Channel. They have a specific streaming platform just for that stuff. Exactly. So it's just sort of like, you know, you used to be able to just sort of fire up Netflix and you used to be able to watch, you know, Disney movies and Star Trek and Star Wars and all this stuff on the one platform. And now you, it's basically cable. You have to buy. Exactly. Now four... you still have to buy all these packages. You Oh, you want to watch a Disney movie? Then you need Disney Plus. Oh, you want to watch Star Trek? Oh, you gotta, you know, you CBS. gotta get CBS Plus. You want to watch... I don't know, Chopped, you gotta get Discovery Plus. That's it, and it, it you know, it adds so up. in a weird there. way, it's More... actually helped the cable industry. Yeah, you know, it's like, really, this stuff again? You know, now you're paying, you know, anywhere from sort of 15 to $20 a month for each of these streaming services, and suddenly, you know, the thing that popularized Netflix was that it was like 10 bucks, you know. Yeah, and they had stuff you couldn't find, but now... The stuff you find on Netflix, you can find on so many other streaming platforms. Yeah, you know, and it, but it just adds, like, it adds up now. You have to buy all these, you know, different things, and suddenly it's not nine ninety nine a month anymore. Now you're paying $100 because you have to buy nine or ten different, you know... Yeah, you, you want uh, the different levels. Oh, you want, you know, this additional thing. Mm-hmm. Or I want this additional thing. Well... No, I really don't. You know, so like it's 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 bitterly hilarious. You know, we we all thought we'd we'd escaped the sort of cable TV package nonsense, and it took a while, but it's back. It is. We knew it would be. Yeah, yeah you can never you can never keep them down for long. Unfortunately, not. What's the old phrase? They're like a bad penny. They keep on turning up. You know, as soon as all these you know companies. You know, the technology became cheap enough to be able to implement, you know, for all of them. That's exactly what they did. Yep, exactly. And, you know, now the market is completely saturated. Yeah. And, you know, we mentioned it in the VHS thing. People have gone into sensory overload. Yeah. It's, like, there's it's millions got... of things out there, but uh, it's too much. I'm just going to watch a rerun of, you know, Laverne and Shirley. Exactly. So it's, yeah, it's just sort of all those really sort of consumer-unfriendly things just have popped up again. Unfortunately, yeah. And it's just, and people don't realize that they just keep on going, but it, it's going to be, I guarantee you in 2021, we're going to see the advent of probably a dozen or so more different streaming platforms. Oh, yeah. I think it's just going to, everybody who has a license to anything is trying to spin it off right. into their and own. Right, and you got all these networks that are going to produce their own stuff. Like, you have uh, Facebook Watch. They're producing their own stuff. Yep. Um, what was another one? I was, there's, like, Peacock. Uh, like, Quibbly or Quibby or something? Yeah. You know, I mentioned Acorn before. Crunchyroll, I think, is one of the, one of the many anime ones. Yeah. You know, it's almost like, yeah, it's cable TV all over again. Yep. Wah, wah. <laughs> uh, it's, do you ever just sort of feel like kind of the internet is, is just sort of over? Like, you're just kind of done with it? Well, I think what it was, I think what it is, I should say was, but I think what it is is, they're pushing so much at us so fast with the expectation that we're going to buy into it that people are really starting to push back. 
like, yeah, it just, I don't know, sometimes it really does, like, you just want to get on and quietly do, you know, one or two little things on the internet, and it's really difficult just to sort of, to do that, you know, you, you get ads spammed at you, and this spammed at you, and... Right, God forbid you want to just check your email. Yeah, you know, and... I don't know, it's just, yeah, you sort of just feel like, you know what, I'm just tired of it. It, it, The sort of the innocence and the the free kind of internet, free in terms of, you know, it sort of being a a fair and level playing field when it it sort of first came out, it's long gone, and now it really does feel like a scant few sort of tech barons really have a stranglehold over almost all of the internet. It definitely seems that way. You know, like, it's hard to avoid Google and its many, 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 many subsidiary yeah. programs. And there's a and, lot of those subsidiaries. You'd be real shocked to learn that they are that they are technically Google. Yep. You know, they they have, like, you know, I don't know, a hundred or something more, uh, yeah, sort of little subsidiaries or, you know, programs or algorithms, you know, that they created. Yeah. You know, just All like... Of, you know, now Instagram is owned by Facebook. You know, everything mm. is getting swallowed up by the giants. Yeah, you know. Remember, so the, remember the Oculus, which I'm sorry I see commercials for, but yeah, now Facebook has it. I think they wasted their money on that one because I don't think anybody really wants Oculus. No, that was kind of an interesting thing. For yeah, there was a, a three-week period when every Let's Player on YouTube was doing Oculus Rift stuff. Yeah. And now nobody even mentions it. The moment Facebook bought it, it kind of instantly became uncool then, because Facebook was already uncool and obnoxious by that point. Right, and again, but the biggest problem is, like, when we discussed, um, when we were talking the Nintendo episode of CNC, there are a good portion of the population that that will either make very sick or will not work on them. Like the 3D graphics of the 3DS... Like, I couldn't take advantage of it because it just doesn't work for me. You know, I don't know. It's, it's yeah. Sometimes you just feel like you, humans have kind of completely lost the plot and the internet has a lot to blame for that. It's unfortunate. My, uh, my analogy was transport somebody from right now back to the 1950s. Give them a smartphone. Have them walk up to some random person in 1955 on the streets stop them and explain the cell phone to them yeah and my thing was on this device that I can hold in the palm of my hand I can instantly communicate with anybody around the world and I have the access to the the libraries of the entire planet at my fingertips oh my god well well, what have we done with it? What what great things have we done with it? Oh, we, we look at pictures of cats while we're going to the bathroom. Yeah, and then use it to attack anybody we disagree with right. them. And it's like, really? So you so this little technological rectangle that has the capability to connect to somebody in, you know, northern Japan, and we're looking at pictures of cats. Yes. Because that is important, too. You know, it's, I think that, you know, one of the other sort of big problems with it is that, you know, for a device that, and sort of a whole thing that's supposed to be about communication, most of the things the internet is kind of infamous for regarding communication are, are, you know, reductive, like, uh, uh, text speak, right? Yeah. Uh, You know, I mean, first we went from snail mail letters to emails, so they got shortened, and then emails gave way to texting. Yeah. Which, you know, your was became short, and then texting just, you know, devolved even from there. Where now, you know, for a while there, people when texting was first invented, people used it for like full sentence writing, right? Right. They would actually write it like they would a letter, but now it's, you know, it's based on pictures and emojis. Yeah, like you know. A lot of people aren't even writing full words, like you know, the letter U for you. Oh, or, that I'm sorry, that bugs the hell out of me. And you know, the number four for you know, like F O R, and just because right. it's fast. Well, and here's the one thing: it's like instead of OK, they'll just write K. How damn hard is it to type OK? Yeah. 
<laughs> Indeed, you know, so like, it's just, it's supposed to be about communication, but really, you know, yeah, we're practically just talking to each other in, in short emojis now. And I firmly believe it. it is going to ruin the grammar of a lot of younger generations. It pretty much already kind of has. I mean, I've seen reports that, you know, it's fine to use a lot of those, um, you know, in school now. Like, a lot of schools will not mark it incorrect. Yeah, and that's, that's sad when you can write you know, a letter instead of a word, and it's, oh, it's okay. No, it's, that, to me, that's not okay, and I don't care if the world wants to think that, you know, I'm a bitter old man who's stuck in the past, but <laughs> I still think that even in the year 2021, there's a need to be able to communicate properly. Oh, uh, yeah, and I just think that, you know, yeah, a lot of the stuff there kind of gets in the way of that. I mean, obviously, there's, you know, there's problems, uh, reading sarcasm or tone you don't get tone at all so What's another, you know how many how many like fights between friends and couples have there been because you can't express emotion through a text message yeah you know how many times has that just caused massive drama and strife because somebody miss you know somebody misinterpreted a word yeah it's sad i don't know it is you know there's there's some good there's Places where I just, uh, you know, I don't think anybody could have anticipated what it, all this stuff would become, but maybe we need to, you know, kind of, yeah, sort of dial it back and and well, take a look take at, a tech free day. Yeah, and just start maybe having some of those conversations about, you know, sort of the effects of of human interaction, you know, with all this technology, and maybe that it's not actually the greatest way to communicate with each other anymore it no, was unfortunately it was sort of fascinating it was a fascinating little toy for you know 15 20 years but you know maybe we can start having that conversation and agreeing that you know there's a lot to be valued in in face-to-face -face, in phone conversations and you know hearing people's voices again well, yeah because the voice is how you express tone and how you express yeah. meaning. Indeed. Shall we wrap this up then? Yeah, I was going to say, um, do you want to kind of start bringing this to a close? Because I wanted to title this The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And there are there is a lot of good. Oh, yeah. ton of good. It's made mm -hmm. things so much more accessible to so many more people. It's provided the young people a major outlet for their creativity and a way to make money. Yep. The Bad. Uh, it kind of is basically forcing other people's opinions on you, whether or not you want them. There's a lot of, it's amplified a lot of negativity. A lot of negativity, a lot of stalking, harassment, bullying. Yeah. You know, how many, you know, teenagers have taken their own lives because of cyberbullying. Yep. You know, back in our day, if somebody was bullying you, you were able to punch him in the face. <laughs> you know? You can't do that now because God knows where they're, what basement they're hiding in. Oh, exactly. And so you know, some, something we didn't cover, but I wanted to touch on briefly at the end is what I'm going to label under the ugly, mm. and that's going to be what I think is the ruining of the ability to speak and communicate properly. But also, how many people recently have died trying to take a picture in an incredibly dangerous situation? Well, that's just sort of part of the, you know, the feeding into the sort of the, the narcissism and the, the worst aspects, you know, in all of us in human psychology where, you know, everybody wants to be loved, everybody wants to be admired, everybody craves, you know, acceptance. And even before, you know, the lockdowns and quarantine, you know, we've become a kind of isolated, lonely society, especially for young people. It's hard to to create bonds and so people turn to the internet and you know people really do get addicted to seeking out likes clicks views and they really do tie that to their self-worth especially when you're younger well that's what i'm thinking and that's why actually a lot of these uh social media people really don't have a long career because it started off with them doing something they love and then it turned into a job, and now they're forced to only do this, and it burns people out. Yeah. And I feel bad for people on that, because 
you know, let's say if you get typecast as, you know, oh, I'm the guy that plays Fortnite. Well, 20 years down the line, you're still going to be, oh, you're that guy that plays Fortnite. Well, no, I don't. Well, I don't care then. Yeah, you know, so there's that sort of the real uh, sort of ugliest part of it is that, you know, you really can become physically addicted and, you know, and it creates all the same sort of problems as, as kind of any other addiction, you know, when you don't get that. Yeah, and actually, become... um, the more I th think about it, there's a lot more we could cover. Would you like to do a second part of this one day? I think we definitely could. I mean, you know, there's we'll a whole care. section of our notes that we didn't even touch. We could easily do another one. So I think at some yeah, point we'll, we'll, re we'll record another episode of it. Sounds good. I think this one's good. I've yeah, touched I mean, on it's, everything it's, I'm going to say for now. Yeah, it's scraping the surface and, like, don't, you know, to, to kind of put it in a nutshell, the internet has been a great thing, but it's also been kind of a scary thing. Yeah. And while I'm not saying, you know, we need to destroy the internet, I'm saying that we just need to be a little more careful. Yeah, you know. And that's my thoughts. And how. So, I don't know. You got anything else you want to add? Nope, I'm good. That's about it. All right, well, we're on the internet, so ha 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 ha. Yeah, exactly. But on that one, and yeah, we'll be back for a part two of this one because it really is a fascinating and, like you said earlier, very nuanced topic that's going to take a while to unpackage. Yeah. And we've got a lot more stuff to cover, so stay tuned for that one. But for the time being, for the carnival, I'm Zach. Hi. She's right. And that'll be it for this time. <laughs>